0: Hi, I'm Sherry Malcolic. Hi, Sherry. My birthday is March 14th of 2001, and I have a sponsor and a home group, and I sponsor women in AA, and for that, I'm very grateful. And um, thanks, Pez, for asking me to come out. Um, it's good to see a few faces I see from the from the noon meeting that I've I've kind of joined in over there. Well, yeah, it's a noon for you guys; it's a three o'clock for me. So, um, it's good to see a few familiar faces and. Um, Yeah. I mean, my job is in a general way to tell you what it was like, what happened and what it's like now. And, um, you know, I don't have like a glamorous story. There's not some sort of, you know what I mean? Like I, like, I'm really not much more than a nuisance really in my drinking, you know? Um, I grew up out here just outside of Baltimore, you know, in a house that my dad had built, you know, we had a fence, we had a, we had an above ground pool, but, you know, uh, we had a jog, you know what I mean? Like I, on paper, like everything I need to like succeed, you know what I'm saying? And um, my mom um, has her own problems other than alcoholism, you know, and, um, and so there was a lot going on in my house. And she signed me up for every activity that you would ever possibly think of to sign your child up for. So I was very busy. Um, back then, I was what they would label children as hyperactive. So I was I was very busy. Um, I, I mean, I was in school choir, church choir. I played the violin, the flute, the French horn, the oboe. I played um, field hockey, lacrosse, and soccer. I was in a drama learning camp. I went to Girl Scouts. I went to horseback riding camp. I think I did a session at baton twirling. You know, like I was on a competitive jump rope team. Um, I was in gifted and talented programs. And I say that to say that, like, I think I always hoped that one of these things would be it, you know what I mean, that it would fix it. because what happened from my earliest recollections at elementary school, um, you know, i I was always in my head. i was I had a complete inability to be present in this moment with anyone, you know, I remember even like, you know, if I was at elementary school and I saw Maureen walking down the hall, I'd be in my head, like, should I say hi to Maureen? Do I really know Maureen that well, like well enough to say hi to her in the hall? What if I say hi and she doesn't say hi back? What if, what if I say hi, but she doesn't see me? Like, I can't wave again. Like, just like this insanity in my mind, like from my earliest recollections. And, um, and I mean, at that point it was like, you know, again, even more nuisance, like just like stealing chapstick from the grocery store, you know what I mean? Like that kind of like behavior had already started and um, you know, and I was already learning how to like gauge the people around me and like act accordingly. You know what I mean? Like I said, my mom was unwell and my dad traveled a lot for work. And so it was just an interesting environment. And, um, I started drinking, um, just around the time I went into high school. So like 13, 14 and, um, You know, honestly, what it was is I saw those kids, my school had like this corner area where like you could look out from both sides, you could see like if a teacher was coming or something and we would stand in this little nook and like smoke cigarettes. And I remember seeing the kids there and they just looked like they didn't care what other people thought about them. And in my head, I cared so very deeply what you thought about me that I was like, I maybe this is like my solution. You know, like these, are the, these people can like help me out with this, you know, and and of course, very quickly after smoking cigarettes comes drinking, smoking pot, all the other stuff, you know. And, um, you know, I am a real alcoholic, but the reality for me is I got sober um, just before my 21st birthday, right? So um, I... I was never able to walk into a liquor store and (laughs) purchase alcohol. Um, Even at 21, I looked like I was 14. So there's not a chance, you know what I'm saying? And so, but the girl in the bathroom at high school never carded me. And so I would get whatever I could get there. And, you know, you'll hear a lot of other uh, misadventures during my story. And so, you know, my high school drinking was great, right? Not a lot of consequences, like good times, like funny, you know, you do something, but it's still kind of funny. Um, you know, and we're going and pouring just a little bit out of every, everybody's parents' liquor cabinet or um, you know what happened for me is that um, very shortly after I started drinking, my parents separated and it took them a couple years and they got divorced. And so what happened is my mom went back to work and I became a latchkey kid, and I got to do whatever I wanted. You know what I mean? And no one was home, and I got to do, you know, so I would come home and smoke pot and watch Jerry Springer because it came on at three o'clock, you know what I'm saying and like and drink when I could drink when I could read that dusty liquor cabinet in the kitchen or your parents liquor cabinet um or whatever that girl in the bathroom was selling you know and um and I I told you I came in playing you know as a two-sport athlete um in the band in the choir in honors classes you know doing well academically with all this potential you know what I mean to to excel in any number of these like avenues that I had in front of me and, and within that four years I was barely graduating on time um, I had failed a number of math classes which is ironic now because Maureen used to teach math so if we had connected I might not have uh, <laughs> might not have uh, done so poorly but yeah I ended up like consumer math I was not in any sports I'm not doing anything and um you know what would happen is every once in a while like a, a well-meaning adult would try to intervene right a teacher what's going on whatever but you guys, I'm a liar. I'm a cheater. I'm a thief. You know, and so um, I I want to protect my drinking at all costs. So you know, these people would ask me, and I'd be like, well, you know, things at home are just really hard. My dad's not there. You know, I'd play like the parental divorce card, mom. You know, whatever I had to say, and I would gauge you. And if I needed to cry, I would cry. You know, what I mean? like whatever I had to like pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Like look over here. You know, and um. And that worked for a little while. And then reality is, is I graduated and I had no intention of, I I was like, why are people going to college? I'm so glad I got out of school. Damn, glad that's over. You know what I mean? And, um, and, um, you know, I spent the next, you know, three or four years trying to drink um, t- trying to like run my own life. I was joking with Maureen earlier. I was like, can you believe we thought we were like adults at that age? You know, we're like, oh, so wrong. Um, you know, but I really gave it everything I had. And, um, you know, I obviously was not going to college. I started working in food service, which if uh, you drink, like I drink, is like an alcoholic stream job, you know, cash, money in hand every day, vampire lifestyle. Generally, the people you work with drink, like how you like to drink you know, and, um, and that went well for a minute. And then, you know, what happened is I slowly became unemployable. I had every intention of showing up and doing the job you paid me to do and whatever would happen. I could, my best intentions, I would no call, no show, you know what I mean? And, and you're done And and um, you know, ultimately what happened is I was, um, you know, I started hacking in Baltimore, which is like, um, it's like pre Uber without an app, you know, um, you just basically are an illegal taxi and, uh, it's pretty dangerous and not a good look. But the last thing that I like held on to was like the car, which my dad had like co-signed for, do you know what I'm saying? Which I was not paying the payments on, let me be clear. And, um, and I would call my dad when I wanted money. I was very resentful which makes no sense because I really didn't want him there because he was the only sense of like discipline in my life, you know? And so I would have been forced to kind of curtail my drinking and the way I like to live my life. Um, you know, and when I couldn't drink, I was, you know, I was doing a lot of other stuff. And like I said, I was hanging out down in Baltimore city and you know, a lot of that stuff comes in off the Harbor and it was just, it just got bad quickly. You know what I mean? I really, thought that if everyone would just leave me alone and let me drink how I want to drink, everything will be okay. But the reality was, is I was blowing my life up, um, pretty quickly. And, you know, I, I started doing things like, you know, I would go in my mom's checkbook and rip a checkout from like the middle, you know, and write it out to cash and cash it at a liquor store. I don't even know if you could still do that these days, but probably not. But by then you would do that. And, um, you know, and get some cash that way, and would, you know, just, it was just insane, and um, I always had some sort of plan, you know, how I was, like, going to get 20 bucks, 40 bucks, 100 bucks, you know, I would, I remember, um, so what it, also what had started happening is I would find guys that would support my habits. so I would, like, move in with you, and then just like, you know, try to become, Yeah, you know, I was a slug. I would move in, like you pay for everything, like try to get what I could. And then you would ask me to move out and I would like go to the next. And what happened is uh, this guy had asked me to move out and I had like no other place to go. And I was back in my mom's house and I showed up at my mom's house and I was 80 pounds and I was yellow and I was dirty and I was disgusting. Yeah. And like, it's very clear that something was not well. You know, and um, my my family got together. My dad, his wife, my mom went over to like the county health department and had an intervention with um with this guy who was a very nice man. And um, and they you know they wanted me to you know take some action about this. And so I agreed to an outpatient detox and. Um, And I went, of course it was in Baltimore city because why would I go, you know what I mean? Like I have to pass the dope man to get there. (laughs) Oh, you know, Uh, so you gotta, you gotta want it, I guess. And, um, I would drive to this place and I would, uh, you know, I got on the scale, which is how I know how much I weighed and, uh, they would give me my little packet of pills and send me on my way you know, just not drinking. And um, if I hadn't already dated myself, I would then on the way home stop at the Blockbuster on the corner by my mom's house um, using her Blockbuster card and I'll pick up a movie or something and like go home and literally just play that Blockbuster sobriety game where I would just not drink. And it was miserable. And the book calls it, you know, restless, irritable, and discontent. I didn't have that language. I, I, the only language I have was like cabin fever, you know, like, I just got to get out of here. I don't know where I have to go, but I can't be in this house one more minute, you know? And what happened is I ended up at a meeting of another fellowship and, um, I, I met a guy, (laughs) you know, that's reality. None of the women stopped to talk to me or tried to like, you know, and that's, You know, I am who I am. I don't need to put anything on anyone else. But the only person I met at that meeting was a newcomer guy and he had money and I still had my car and it was back off to the races. And, um, you know, because I know what fixes it. You know, when I don't have another solution, like Maureen talked about, when I don't have another solution, I am much more dangerous, to be honest, when I am not drinking and I don't have a solution than when I'm drunk. And, um, you know, because I'm like a wild animal. And, um, you know, so me and this guy, um, were, this is such an unmanageable story. This guy was on house arrest and they would let him go to the meeting. And so his mom would take him to the meeting, right? Cause that's how we are. And I would pick him up at the meeting. We would go to the city, come back and his mom would pick him up at the meeting. I know, we laughing. It was insanity. Until one day, I called this guy's house and he was dead, and um, he had overdosed the night before, and he had been out with me, you know, and um, and I don't know if that was the night or if it was a different night, but I picked him up at the meeting, and he didn't have any money, and so I drove him to a neighborhood, and he broke into somebody's house and took one of those giant water bottles full of change that people have, took it, we took it to the coin star, and we went to the city, and I dropped him back off at the meeting you know, and whether it was that night or a different night, I called the house the next day and, you know, they told me that that he had died. And this was one of these moments of clarity for me and not about my drinking, actually, funny enough. And, And I had had other ones previous, like I had worked at one point earlier in my drinking at a hotel. We had the big phone book, you know, and I remember at one point writing down the number for, um, I don't know whether it was a rehab or AA or, you know, some a or what it was, but I remember writing it down and thinking, I'm going to call these people after work and, you know, things are, things are not going well. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then finding that later and being like, uh, that's a little excessive, you know what I mean? Like that's, uh," and like throwing it away, you know? And when I realized this kid died, I had this moment because here's the deal at that point in my life. I was close to no one. No one knew the truth about me in any way, shape, or form. You could ask me a question where the truth would be a thousand times more beneficial for me to tell you. And I would lie. I would lie when it was not beneficial, when it didn't help me. Like, I I was like, just a lie was automatically what I was going to say. And so, um, you know, he was the only person that even knew a little bit about me. He was as, as much of what I might call a friend as I could have at that time in my life. And I felt nothing. Like, and I knew there was something wrong about that, right? Like I knew that normal people, when someone they knew died, like felt sad, maybe depressed, maybe they felt grief, maybe, but they felt something and I felt nothing, and I knew that was a problem. And I really felt like at that point that you could crack me open from like collarbone, like this divot in my collarbone, like all the way down to the pelvis, and just like spread me open, and black sludge would pour out. You know, there was nothing good or moral or decent left. I I cannot, and if if you drink like that, like I cannot hold on to the, the stuff I learned in Sunday school when I drink how I drink. <laughs> that does not fly out there. Someone will roll me before I roll them. And that's a deal. And, um, you know, I, there was just this moment and and you know what I did, I I went to that funeral and then I went to the city, you know, and um, that was probably like October of 2000. And I had had other, you know, aside from that other, you know, near misses and, and, um, you know, arrests and people around me were going to prison, they were dying, these kind of things were starting to happen and, um, it took me another couple of months and I ended up, um, in a rehab and I, uh, I could not, I didn't, I don't even think I tried to detox before I went there. And I think I tried to lie about what I was doing. Like I was really trying to get the heat off. Cause I still hadn't come up with like a solution yet. And honestly, guys, I was 20 and I really thought I had another run left. I really thought like, I just got to figure this out you know, like, so uh, maybe something about the, you know what I mean? Like the equation is wrong. And I just got to like, find out how to drink right. Or like, I'm almost 21. Maybe if I leave all the hard stuff alone and just drink, like maybe it's the drugs, you know what I mean? And, um, you know, because when I showed up there, I was like speedballing every day. And, And I was drinking when I could, when my stomach would allow me to at that point. And, um, you know, so I get to this rehab, And here's the problem again, um, I'm removed from alcohol and, and all the other party favors. And I don't yet have the solution provided by Alcoholics Anonymous. And so again, I am restless, irritable and discontent. And what that feels like is like I'm walking through a cheese grater. Like my insides are churning broken glass. And the sound of your breathing is incredibly disrespectful. And like, you know, screw you very much. I'm not doing these chores. I'm not, you know, I don't want to be in this group. Like, you know what I mean? I just, you know, I had this bitch ass belligerent attitude. And, you know, when there was a moment, you know, we have these moments of willingness and then my ego comes back to try and, you know, cut me off the knees. And, um, you know, I was there. Somewhere between like nine days and two weeks, I think I was in there for New Year's, which of course made me very, very, felt very rude, you know, and, um, and what happened is they kicked me out because I told you I break all the rules. I'm not interested. I'm not nice, you know, and, um, and I had to leave. And what happened was that night I went out with my sister drinking because again, I would have told you it was the other stuff that was the problem, not my drinking. Now, in reality, I was using all the other stuff to control my drinking, because sometimes I'd have to show up somewhere or be somewhat coherent in like my, I, you know, I drink like Maureen talked about, you know, Jack Daniels straight out of the bottle, you know, Everclear, you know, 151. I don't, I don't even drink wine or any of this other stuff, unless I can get the pouch out of that box wine and like hide it in a coat pocket. You know what I mean? Like get it in somewhere, but like, I don't, you know, so it was like sometimes I would have to try to like play mad chemist to be able to like live life um, and kind of sh- keep up appearances. But that time had had long passed, and, um, and I would always return to drinking, even if I gave up something else, I would always return to drinking. And so that night, um, I got kicked out and I went out drinking um, with my sister and her friend. And um, I can remember, you guys, I was like so pumped because I hadn't drank in a minute, you know, and I was like, oh, I put on an outfit. I'm like drinking. I don't know, ladies, if you did this, but I was like putting on my makeup, like had the radio on, I was like, oh, I'm going out, you know, like drinking, pre-gaming and um, went out with my sister and her friend. And a few things happened that night. Um, I was as physically drunk as I could possibly be, but the problem is, is that I knew that, you know what I'm saying? Like my brain was still running on all eight cylinders, fully capable of rational thought, fully knew what was happening around me. And I was so unhappy about it. Um, cause I literally was just drinking as much Jack Daniels as I could get in my face and it was not doing the trick. And then what happened is on the way home. Also, I think my sister got a parking ticket, but that's the least of our troubles that night. <laughs> um on the way home my sister wrecked her car end over end off an on-ramp into a drainage ditch from 695 to 95 in Baltimore and um the car was so mangled that my sister's friend climbed out the trunk while the car was upside down um I bounced off my window and shattered it so I'm like half in half out of the the passenger window my sister crawls out over me you know it's like a scene couple guys stopped real gentlemen cleaned all the paraphernalia out of the car before the cops came you know this kind of guy I like and um and the cops came gave my sister some ticket about uh failure to control the vehicle or whatever because it was icy out and um and you know like I thought another near miss right although truthfully I still (laughs) am under the care of a doctor for those injuries but um but you know, like I, we all walked away. I went home that night. And what happened is the next day, this kid that I had been in rehab with called me and asked me what I was doing. And I said, I'm trying to go to the city. You know what I mean? I have safety a few glass cuts from head to toe. You know what I mean? Like I've been banged around and obviously I wasn't going to the hospital. My sister was underage. Like that would not have worked out. And, um, you know, he said, cool, cool. Um, I got out of rehab, me and my sponsor are going to go to this meeting, but we could take you to the city first and then go if you want to go to the meeting. And I was like, sure. Right. Because I had told you, I'd been to meetings of another fellowship and, and, you know, with that guy and occasionally we'd actually be in the meeting and I'd share cry, you know, emotionally vomit on the meeting and leave before you could help me. And, um, and I, you know, get the mad, just enough madness off to get back out there. And um, so I had no concept of like, that being an issue. And so I was like, yeah, sure. Let's go. Well, this guy had a legitimate sponsor at Alcoholics Anonymous. So you can imagine that they picked me up and we did not go to the city, (laughs) not at all. So I sometimes joke that I was kidnapped to Alcoholics Anonymous uh, because this guy and his sponsor picked me up and took me straight to a Saturday night AA meeting, you know, and that was gosh, January middle of January, it's so like 17th, 19th, something of 2001. And, um, and the guy sponsor was cute. And so I wasn't going to make a scene about it. You know what I mean? I was like, well, this guy's cute. Like, we'll see how this, how this whole thing goes, whatever. I can go to the city tomorrow, whatever. I'll sort it out. You know, and what happened is they took me to a Saturday meeting in Chevy Chase. Now Chevy Chase is like a fancy kind of area. It's just outside of DC. Um, and Baltimore City is obviously not that so I had been ripping and running and hacking and, and, and doing what I had to do down in Baltimore city. And I get taken to a Saturday night meeting in Chevy Chase. And so I walk in and everyone is clean. Um, you know what I mean? It looks like I've entered a gap commercial and I am sure that none of you can help me. And I'm sure that you don't know anything about the way that I've been living. You know what I mean? And and again, I show up to give you like a visual. I still had my big nineties bangs you know, what I mean? and in like that half ponytail situation that was, that was really big in the nineties. I was wearing like men's sweatpants a men's big jacket, because again, I was like 85 pounds and, you know, in like Tim's, you know, I mean? just <laughs> like, you're know I mean? just crazy. And that's how I showed it to my first day in meeting. And, um, the guy sponsor shoved me up to go get a chip at halftime. And, um, And after the meeting, women came up and talked to me and asked me for my phone number, asked me what I was doing the next day. And to be honest, it did not occur to me to lie. For whatever reason, I just gave them my phone number. And women called me and and started taking me to meetings. Now, like I said, that's not my sobriety date. It took me um, until March 14th to get a sobriety date. Um, But you know what? You guys came and you picked me up and you put me in the car. You took me in my bitch ass belligerent attitude to the dance to the diner to the meeting before the meeting the starbucks you know in the meeting after the meeting um you know you guys included me in what you were doing even though it would have been better for you probably if you had not you know but you brought me along you said just get in the car let's go we got a women's retreat we got we're going to hear a panel we got a conference we got a conference this weekend by the way um it's going to be early for you guys on the west coast but good, good panelist speakers this Saturday. If you want the info, hit me up. Um, but you know, like you guys just got me involved in helping. I mean, um, somebody conned me into doing service, you know what I mean? Like, um, and I just kept coming around and I got a sponsor and, um, you know, I just started doing this. I didn't really think, um, that I wasn't sure if I needed to be here, but I had honestly burned every bridge, um, that I had you know, I did not have any drinking friends left. I'm confused by people, although Maureen came in with friends. I, um, I'm confused by those people because I (laughs) literally destroyed every, every person that came into contact with me, um, when I was drinking, like, I don't, none of them want to talk to me. I don't, I don't even know any of that, you know? Um, so uh, the, you guys were the only people that were nice to me. And I was very confused by this, you know, because, Like I said, my drinking is like, if you, if you don't have anything I want, I'm not, I don't have any time for you. And the same thing with my drinking friends. If I didn't have anything they wanted, they were like, all right, cool, man. Gotta go. You know what I mean? You're not getting a call. And so, um, I didn't have anything, you know, my dad had taken the car back by the time I was like coming into the rooms of AA and, you know, I had nothing, you know, I realized that like. You know, I don't know if, if other people think this, but I was like, oh, I don't even like I don't have the car. The only thing I have is maybe the clothes that I've purchased for myself. I don't have this. This furniture isn't mine. You know, like nothing was I do nothing. And um, and very shortly after that, actually, I got to where my mom kicked me out and I had to move with my dad and his wife. And, um, and they put me, you know, on a curfew, all these rules, I wasn't allowed in the house when they weren't there, you know what I mean? Which felt at the time in my newcomer mind, real disrespectful. Um, and now I'm like, oh, thank God, you know, thank God that they really held me to like a, a, a standard of conduct because I was a maniac, you know? And, um, like, I remember one time I found 20 bucks outside of a movie theater when I was new and I was like, well, I guess I'm going to the city. I mean, it was like that. And, um, you know, I, I, uh, I had to be with people all the time and I got a couple of running buddies, these women that had about the same time as me. Um, and, and I just started my dad once he, once I had, you know, a couple of months of going to meetings and stuff, but also if you came to pick me up, my dad would write down your tag number just to be clear. Like he was making sure I was coming home and, uh, and he knew where I was like, So, um, but after a couple months, I got my car back. My dad got me, you know, had me get a little job by his house and they would check the odometer and I would go to the meeting and I would pick up my, my two newcomer girlfriends. You know what I mean? And we would go to the meeting together and get coffee and do all the things. And, um, and I would talk to my sponsor because here's the thing too. Like I said, my perspective is so skewed still to this day, you know, and I would have to call her. I remember this seems so trivial, but I'll never forget it because it was like such a moment where I realized how off my thinking was. So I'm staying in my dad's house and I had had like this um, bureau and I had all these things I had set up on it just how I wanted them. And I came in one day and there was like a little tiny TV on the edge and all my stuff had been moved over. Now in my newcomer mind, My dad is now storing his things in my room, my room, you know what I mean? And I was like, "Mm, my thoughts are shit I could call first right before I, before I act crazy. So I called her and I was like, Hey, listen, you know what I'm telling her? And, um, and she's like, do you think that your dad is like offering for you to have a little TV in your bedroom? (laughs) And I was like, Oh. Like I could never have thought someone was doing something like positive or helpful in any way. Like that was like so far outside of my like realm of possibilities that I was like mind blown. And so I just I, like that was like the first time where I was like, oh, and I asked my dad, I was like, all right, I'm gonna test this. I was like, Hey dad, I saw that TV or you want to, you kind of plug it in. He was like, yeah, I got that for you. And I was like, if my dumb ass had not checked <laughs> my thinking, I would have blown up a situation, you know what I mean? like? And so I started checking these things against a sponsor and she started offering me these other perspectives about my thinking about what might actually be happening, you know? And, um, and through some of that work, I started being able to like do a basic 10 step, um, you know, I, I was very nervous about this four step. I saw it and I was like, ah, I don't know. But, you know, she told me that we could start um, any step that started with one I could work on. You know, that like, I might not have much of a message but I could pick up a new girl and take her to the meeting and introduce her to women with time, you know? And that, you know, I could start praying and I could start taking a basic, whether it was a plus minus inventory or just we'd start working through my day. And she'd kind of show me how like to write it in an inventory and what my part was at first. And we started working through that. And I started giving her these little tidbits of information, you know? And I would kind of sit back and wait to hear if anyone asked me about it. You know what I mean? Or I heard someone talking about it in the women's room. Like, you know what I mean? Did she tell someone, you know? And when like that wasn't happening, I knew she was like keeping my confidence. And, um, and so I started giving her more and more. And so by the time I got to the fourth step, it wasn't as scary because I'd already given her a lot of these things and, and had built that trust with her and, um, And so, you know, we, I worked through the fourth and fifth step, which, you know, was, was scary and, and people, I don't hear them say it that much anymore, but when I did my fifth step, people said, welcome to Alcoholics Anonymous, you know, and I got welcome to AA because that was the first big step of like, you know, clearing out all the junk that was blocking me from the sunlight of the spirit, you know, and, um, and I started being able to do the work here, you know, getting service sessions on my own, like starting to help out things and and really starting to show up, you know, long before I ever did any of the ninth step. I had to start making living amends, and for me, that's literally just acting differently in those relationships. And like I said, I'd call my sponsor and be like, I'm going, you know, to to my mom's for this. What do I do? And she'd be like, Do the dishes, and you know what I mean, like like have a set start time and end time, like don't you know whatever it was, and I. You know, over the time, would get new jobs and do other things, and and my life slowly started getting better. And I have had, um, I don't even say setbacks. I've had big learning challenges, right? In AA. like, um, there's an old timer here that says like every five years you get a card. (laughs) You know (laughs) what I mean? Whether it's like you get fired, or or for me, like my condo would flood, or you know, like something would happen, and um. And I would lose my mind and I would have to learn, you know, the first time my condo flooded, I, um, two and three went out the window. You know what I mean? Like old Sherry came back and I started trying to manipulate like the condo board lady against the property manager lady. And I got to get mine and nobody's going to take care of me. And, and really, I mean, to the point where you guys, my sponsor at the time was like, maybe you need to talk to like a priest you know and i had to go sit down with the priest because she was like listen you know and um and i've had to like work through some of these struggles of where like i have taken my will back and decided that i gotta handle this you know or that i've placed my dependence on i mean that's really all it is the answer is always still more spiritual growth you know and that those are the kind of different struggles that i've had and when i can sit back and remember like you know, for years, honestly, after my truth is that my condo kept flooding, it just like once a year a pipe would break, not my pipe either, condo, you know, common pipe. And, um, and I would just like, I just prayed and pray, like, I just gotta get out of here. I just gotta move. I just gotta sell this condo, and it never worked, never worked, never worked. But you know what? This year I was like, I don't know, maybe, uh, maybe it's time. The market looks not, you know what I mean? And like, Literally when I just like was not attached and didn't have a way and wasn't committed to any, you know, outcome, didn't have any expectation. um, Five minutes, okay, thanks. Um, Like things just started working out. Like I called my friend Maureen and I said, hey girl, uh, thinking about moving, can I come, you know, annoy you for a few months? you know, and she said, sure. And like all the people that needed that, that needed to be available said, sure, no problem. We're in everything worked out. And what do you know? Like I did not have to put my claws in it once and everything just like worked out. And like, that's really how my sobriety has been when I can let go and let God, you know, Um, things just seem to work out when I stop thinking about myself. And that's the truth. My sponsor was talking. We have like a sponsorship group, uh, where my sponsor and some women in our sponsorship line, uh, get together once a week and we rotate leaders. And my sponsor was like sharing the other week and said, you know, everything's fine until I start thinking. And that's really the truth is like, everything is fine until I start thinking, because then I have this thing where I want to take your actions personally. And 99.999% of the time, you are not thinking about me when you do something, <laughs> you, you look here less, you know what I mean? But I'm like, this person has done this against me. And it's like, when I can just say, you know, what, has nothing to do with me and I can pray for that person. Like it says in, um, uh, acceptance is the answer and like, move on, you know, and, um, My life has been transformed despite my best efforts to ruin it. You know what I'm saying? Like I come here, I hang out with you guys. I take some direction. Um, I try to build my life around Alcoholics Anonymous. And and I believe that as long as I'm trying to stay on this path, uh, my higher power will meet me somewhere along the way. And that, you know, at that point, I don't have to define grace. I can just be touched by it. You know, I can get the right phone call, the right, the right said you know the right things fall in line and i don't i don't even have to um i mean and i've had so many experiences of stuff like that i mean at one point i was unemployed and didn't know how i was going to pay my bills and some guy rear-ended me and i got all this cash and i paid all my you know what i mean it's like and i was picking up a newcomer when that happened so it's like that kind of stuff of like when i'm doing what i'm supposed to be doing in AA, like everything else just seems to work out and um you know what happened briefly you know after i got sober 18 months later, my sister got sober, and that's not everyone's experience, and so I know that can be a touchy subject for people, but I was very lucky that that happened. She and I have an amazing relationship today. Uh, She married a guy in AA. She has two. I still think of them as AA babies, but what do you know? They're like almost grown now, and um, you know, a niece and a nephew, and, um, and it's just like this program has transformed my family's life. It's transformed, you know, I, I get to show up here and, and I ha- can hold a job and do all this stuff. This is the difference of when I got here, all I wanted was to not feel like such a piece of garbage and to sleep at night. That was it, you know what I mean? <laughs> and I have gotten that and and it's so much more, you know, and, and um, I don't know, you know, today you know, life outside is crazy. Crazy things happen every day. I never know what's going to be on the news about what's happening. You know, you could tell me trees are starting to eat people and I'd be like, well, I guess we have to stay inside some more. You know, I don't even, (laughs) I would believe it at this point, you know? And so I just, I like just come to the meeting, you know, and that's how I met, um, Pej. It's kind of this noon meeting that, that he was at and some other people were at, um, And so I've gotten to go there, Maureen and I go to a meeting in New York on Friday night, you know, and I've gotten to really experience AA all over the place. And I'm so grateful that I've had that opportunity um, to to meet people outside of my comfort zone and outside of like where I am. Um, You know, if you guys are, well, no, I guess it's not. It's earlier out there. I was like, if you're up late, but the truth is you're the other way. Time zones are hard. Um... But like we have a, a big home group on Sunday nights at uh seven thirty our time, so four 400. thirty your time, and um you know and and we just go to meetings and I I'm so lucky during this time to have like a an sober roommate, so I'm not sitting by myself like you know trying to think about myself too hard. So um I am very grateful for my life today, and it is a direct result of. Um, doing what you guys suggested that I do and trying not to take myself so damn seriously. So um, with that, I think I'm probably just about to get the one minute warning. So I'm going to cut it there. Thank you guys so much for having me out. And thanks for letting me share.